Welcome to this podcast series Transform Your Life by Understanding Bhagavad Gita. This is your host Dr. Sanjeev Haribakti and I'm here not just because I am a surgeon by profession but because I am a student of Vedanta since 2008 with the blessings of my teacher Guru Ma Samananda Saraswati ji at Samadarshan Ashram. Om Shri Paramatmane Namaha This episode gives a summary of Tattva Bodha for better understanding of Bhagavad Gita. Tattva Bodha is a primary text of Vedanta written by Adi Shankaracharya that defines some of the unique words used in Vedanta school of thought. The basic principles, concepts and terminologies of Vedanta with a special reference to the scriptural text Tattva Bodha is summarized in this talk for better understanding of Bhagavad Gita. Tattva Bodha primarily focuses on Jnana Yoga, spiritual discipline or the self-inquiry. Unlike the Bhagavad Gita which is a complete and a comprehensive textbook because it deals with karma yoga, bhakti yoga and gnana yoga, Tattva Bodha deals only with gnana yoga. Tattva Bodha is generally studied because it presents a method of self-inquiry in a systematic and a comprehensive form and this self-inquiry leads to self-knowledge or self-discovery and finally to the knowledge of oneness, the aikya gnana of an individual with the eternal divinity. This is the subject matter of Tattva Bodha. It also introduces us to all the technical terms required for conducting self-inquiry. This is a small book in a prose form. Tattva Bodha text can be broadly classified into five portions which I am summarizing for you. The first portion deals with the qualifications required for self-inquiry or the Vedantic study. In Sanskrit, this is called Adhikaritva, meaning eligibility or Yogyata. The second part is the analysis of the individual. In Sanskrit, individual is called Vyashti or the microcosm. The third portion is the analysis of the total. In Sanskrit, the total is called Samashti. This is the analysis of the microcosm. So Samashti Vichara comes after the Vyashti Vichara. The fourth portion is the essential oneness of the individual and the total. The essential oneness of the individual and the total that is also called Vyashti, Samashti, Swarupa, Aikya. Swarupa means our basic or our essential nature. Hence, Swarupa, Aikyam means the essential identity of the micro and the macro. The fifth and the final topic is the knowledge of this essential identity and the benefit of this knowledge, the Aikya Gnana and Aikya Gnana Phala. Vyashti, Samashti, Swarupa, Aikya Gnana and its Phala. Let's start with the first subject. What makes me qualified? for this spiritual inquiry. Without proper qualification, one cannot enter into any field. For example, without passing the 12th standard, we cannot go to college. Similarly, this is true for self-inquiry also. This qualification is presented as Sadhana Chatushthaya Sampatti. Sadhana Chatushthaya means the fourfold qualification or the fourfold preparatory discipline. And these Sadhana Chatushthaya are First, Viveka. Viveka means discrimination. Two, Vairagya, dispassion. Three, Shama Adi Shat Sampatti, discipline by six virtues. And the fourth and the final is Mumukshutva, 
the desire for freedom let's start with the first one viveka or discrimination viveka means the sense of judgment the right judgment or right understanding or discernment now the question is discrimination or separation between what and what this is because discrimination always involves two parties tatva bodha defines this as nitya anitya vastu viveka understanding what is anitya or impermanent and what is nitya or permanent therefore the first lesson is that god is nitya alone can give us permanent security and support whereas world which is anitya can give us entertainment education and opportunity this understanding is called the nitya anitya vastu viveka the second is vairagya or dispassion passion is clinging to the world for security and support psychological leaning on the world for security and support is also called passion and having understood that the world cannot be relied upon for security and support gradually withdrawing from this world or stopping leaning on the world for security or support is called dispassion this does not mean running away from the world nor rejecting but psychologically when i need security and support i change my channel dispassion is reducing all the fake goals like money position possession relations all of which are the fake goals of life reducing all these fake goals into simple ones only to attain the real goal of life the third is the shat sampatti means the six fold inner wealth of discipline or personal discipline self management before trying to manage others like the family the company or the nation and these six disciplines are one shama shama means tranquility of the mind creating a mastery over the mind or mind control second is dhamma dhamma means sense control mastery over our sense organs or sensory discipline or sense control third is uparama uparama means introspectiveness reduction of our extrovert activities so that one will get some quality time for self inquiry relaxed and stress free pursuit finding quality time for withdrawal the fourth is titiksha forbearance means mental toughness to withstand all the forms of challenges in life to face all types of experiences in life and this is also called psychological immunity in ups and downs of life this is called forbearance meaning the inner strength shraddha or trust shraddha means faith in the scriptures and also in the guru or acharya who helps us in the study of the scriptures by faith we do not mean blind faith but an open mindedness until i understand things clearly hence a non critical open minded approach gives the benefit of the doubt to the teacher or the scriptures until i understand that humility shraddha involves freedom from intellectual arrogance intellectual arrogance is a very big obstacle for scriptural studies samadhana or concentration is a final attribute among the six virtues which means focusing capacity the capacity to focus on the goal that i have undertaken if it involved listening to a talk my mind must be focused on it for at least one hour so concentration or focusing is that it refers the final and the fourth is called mumukshutva or desire desire for freedom desire for liberation this fourth qualification is the desire for freedom from all the problems that are caused by depending on the world or anitya vastu leaning 
Mamukshutva is a burning urge for accomplishment of the real or the final spiritual goal. Of the four eligibility factors, the three discrimination, dispassion and desire are accomplished through Karma Yoga. The fourth, that is discipline, is accomplished through Bhakti Yoga or Ashtanga Yoga. And when I successfully go through Karma Yoga and Bhakti Yoga, I am eligible for the spiritual journey or the inquiry. If the first portion is called the religious way of life, the spiritual inquiry is the philosophical aspect of life. Religion gives me the qualification and philosophy gives me the wisdom. Therefore, our entire spiritual discipline can be divided into two stages. First stage is the Gnana Yogyata Prapti. This involves pursuit of Karma Yoga and Bhakti Yoga to become eligible for understanding the self-knowledge. And the second and the final stage of life is actual acquisition of the self-knowledge which is called Gnana Prapti. In the scriptures, the first stage of Gnana Yogyata Prapti is discussed in the first part of the scriptures, the Veda Purva deals with the Gnana Yogyata Prapti through Karma Yoga and Bhakti Yoga. This portion is also called Karmakanda or the religious portion of the Vedas. Whereas the last portion called the Veda Anta deals with the Gnana Prapti or the attainment of Gnana through Gnana Yoga. And this is not the religious portion but is the philosophical portion of the scriptures which is Veda Anta meaning Vedanta and is also called the Upanishadas. That is because Vedanta puts an end to all the problems born out of wrong expectations. Upanishada means destroyer of dependence-based cause problems. The second aspect is the analysis of the I, the individual, the Vyashti or the microcosm. Here we will like to divide this into different parts. One is understanding of the Sharira Traya, the three different types of Sharira, Avastha Traya, the three states of our daily experience and Kosha Panchakam, our five personality layers. So let us start with Sharira Traya. Sharira Traya means the threefold bodies of an individual. Sharira means body and Traya means threefold. Sharira is also otherwise called Deha. That's why it's also called Deha Traya. We will take each one of these and analyze them. The three bodies are the Stula Sharira, the gross body, which consists of all our you know, organs, everything that can be seen, right from the skin to the muscles to the bones, our face, our organs like heart, lungs, brain, intestines, liver, spleen and all the other muscles and everything, the bones. And all this is called our gross body, the Stula Sharira. The second is the Sukshma Sharira, the subtle body, which consists of 19 elements, amongst which predominantly the Indriyas, the five Gnanendriya, the five knowledge senses which, through which we gather knowledge from the outer world. Uh, they are the five Gnanendriyas. The five Karmendriyas through which we perform karma or actions. The five Prana which is our Kriya Shakti or the Prana Shakti. And the fourfold function of the inner mind or the Antakkarana consists of Mana, Buddhi, Chitta, and ahankara. All these 19 elements together form the sukshma sharira. And the third is the karana sharira, the causal body. The second understanding is the avasthatrayam, the three states of our daily experience. Daily we experience these three states of awareness. One is called the jagratavastha, our waking state. Jagratavastha refers to the waking state of experience where the mind or the inner organ is fully functional or operative which means that all our faculties are functioning. The emotional, the rational, the thinking, ego, memory are all open. 
The second stage is the Sopna Avastha. Sopna Avastha is a dream state and it is called so called the dream state of experience. During Sopna or the dream of our memory faculty alone is functioning. Whatever experiences you have had been gathering in the Jagrat Avastha, they all get registered in our memory slab of the mind and that part of the mind is called Chitta. The condition of the mind during the dream state is a partially functioning mind. The third state of our awareness is a Sushupti Avastha, the dreamless sleep. The third stage is the final state of sleep. Sometimes this is translated as deep sleep to indicate a dreamless sleep. In Sushupti Avastha, the mind is fully non-functional and almost zero functional. The third way we have to understand ourselves is the Kosha Panchakam, the five personality layers. This Kosha Panchakam is the division of our Shariratraya itself in another manner. The matter-based division is the Shariratraya, but the very same three when they are divided into five based on our function, this functional division is called Kosha Panchakam. These five Koshas are Annamaya Kosha, the food layer, the Stura Sharira, our physical body is developed due to the food. The second is the Pranamaya Kosha, the energy layer which corresponds to the physiological system. This Pranamaya Kosha is also called the Kriya Shakti. The Manomaya Kosha, the mind layer, termed as a psychological function. And all the emotions, doubts are all in Manomaya Kosha or the psychological personality or Ichcha Shakti. The fourth is the Vignanamaya Kosha, our intellect layer. It is the cognitive personality or the knowing personality. While the Manomaya Kosha corresponds to emotions or Ichcha Shakti, this Vignanamaya Kosha refers to the knowing personality or the Gnana Shakti, the cognitive personality or the judging personality. And the fifth is the Anandamaya Kosha, the bliss layer, the causal body. This corresponds to the Karana Sharira, the second, third and the fourth. The Pranamaya, Manomaya and Vignanamaya, they correspond to the Sukshma Sharira or our subtle body, whereas the Anandamaya corresponds to the Karana Sharira, which is equated to our unconscious personality or the unconscious as is called in psychology. So whatever emotions are dormant, are dominant, our behavior, our personality, all are dormant in us and expressed at appropriate time. And this is called unconscious or our dormant personality. Let us come to another very important concept, what is Atma? And this is very commonly misunderstood. And that's why we need to understand this in a little bit more details. So according to Shastra, all the three Sharida, by their intrinsic nature, are inert, non-conscious, insentient or Jada in nature. This means that not only the body is inert and insentient, according to Shastra, even the mind, the part of the Sukshma Sharida, uh, is also inert and therefore insentient. So according to Vedanta, mind does not have its own consciousness and mind cannot produce consciousness also. Same with Karana Sharida also. So all the three bodies are intrinsically insentient Jada. Shastra points out that Sharira Traya does not have Swabhavika Chaitanyam. It does not have natural consciousness and therefore they have Agantuka Chaitanyam or borrowed consciousness. If Shariratraya has borrowed consciousness, borrowing is possible only when there is a lender. So we require a consciousness which has to lend the consciousness. And this lender of the consciousness is the fourth factor in the human personality. And what is that factor? Who is that lender of that consciousness? Here comes the Atma. Therefore we can say Atma 
makes the sharira traya a glow with consciousness atma makes the sharira traya alive with consciousness atma makes the sharira traya sentient with consciousness the nearest comparison to understand is that just as an electricity makes a bulb a glow with light or brilliance we know that the bulb cannot glow by itself the filament which is seen also cannot be glow by itself therefore other than the bulb and the filament there is another principle called electricity which makes the filament glow first and filament makes the bulb also glow but the only thing is that the electricity part is invisible the glowing filament and the bulb alone are visible thus the visible bulb and the filament are made glowing because of the invisible electricity blessing of the bulb the next understanding is what is atma anatma viveka to discern between what is atma and what is anatma since this non material consciousness called atma the material sharira traya is called anatma the first step in vedantic study is to understand this difference clearly what is atma and what is anatma which is called atma anatma viveka understanding that there are three factors within anatma and one factor known as atma and i the individual am a mixture of material anatma and the non material atma the time space bound anatma and the time space beyond atma the word atma literally means self self means i naturally the world word anatma means non self by using this expression atma and anatma what the scriptures want us to do is that we should train ourselves to claim atma as myself so this is a new training to be practiced by vedantic seeker in fact all the vedantic sadhana are meant for this switch over of our identification this transformation is the regular biodata is for the sake of the world and my real biodata is aham chaitanya swarupa i am the consciousness itself aham swatantra i am independent aham nirguna i am non material without any gunas aham sarvagat i am boundless everywhere aham nitya i am ever existent as sat aham gyata i am the knower of everything chit aham ananda swarupa i am the bliss aham eka i am the only one and only atma or brahma so how can i train myself for that for this training the scriptures give many methods or upaya one is called the negation neti neti of the anatma and then we can go towards the atma and the second is drak drashya viveka these are some of the very beautiful small scriptures which give us this clarity of understanding which are written by adi shankara so there are few laws to understand law number 1 is that i am different from whatever i experience whatever i experience is the experienced object i the experiencer am the subject and therefore i the experiencer subject am different from whatever is the experienced or the object i experience a phone but i am not the phone sharira traya is the object of my experience and i am the subject behind the experienced object so i am ever the observer and i am never the observed with this understanding with this contemplation we can reach towards our real self the second law is that i the experiencer am free from the attributes of the experienced objects 
And in fact, all the attributes I experience belong either to the experienced world, the experienced body or the experienced mind. Therefore, all known attributes belong to the known material anatma. I am the knower of the attributes and therefore I am free from all these known attributes or the gunas. Thus, by applying these two laws, I am different from whatever I experience and I am free from the attributes of the objects that I experience. Therefore, I am Atma Chaitanya Swarupa, Consciousness itself. The third understanding is the analysis of the whole or the creation, the Samashti. How does the cosmos or creation come about and what was there exactly before the creation came or started? The word creation itself is actually a misnomer. Why do we say creation is a misnomer? That is because nothing can be created by the very law of conservation of matter and energy, which, has, which was long accepted before the modern science came. The Sankhya philosophers discussed the law of conservation of matter and energy. Then if we use the word creation, it only refers to the manifestation of something which was potentially unmanifestly existent. So what is unmanifestly potentially existent in a dormant form that comes to the manifestation? Nothing in the creation is non-existent. It was existent in a potential manner and later it becomes manifest, which means available for transaction. So our scriptures point out that before the origination of this cosmos, it should have existed because of this simple law of conservation. And if this creation existed before, it should have existed in the unmanifest form or the potential form or the dormant form, which we can call as a seed of the creation. In Sanskrit, we use the word bija for this. According to our scriptures, that basic stuff that is a source of all forms of energy and all forms of matter, which includes all the particles and molecules in the creation, we call it causal matter. And this causal matter is called maya. Therefore, atma and maya always existed. In the context of cosmology or creation, consciousness is given another name. In the context of individual micro level, consciousness is given the name atma. The very same consciousness at the macro level is not different, but the nomenclature is called Brahma. Therefore, Atman is equal to Brahman, is equal to consciousness. Why then these two different names? The basis of the two names is that one is from the micro angle, the Atma, and the other is from the macro angle, that is the Brahma. And the meaning is also the same. Therefore, the study of cosmology begins with the two beginningless principles known as Brahma and maya, the consciousness or the spirit and the matter. Tattva Bodha starts this way, Brahmashraya maya sattva rajas tamo gunatmika maya asti. Coming to the stages of manifestation, in the scriptures, the evolution or manifestation of the cosmos is presented in two stages. Just like a seed becomes a plant in the middle stage and then the plant becomes a full-fledged tree in the final stages, Similarly, Maya is a seed and then there is an intermediary stage called the Sukshma Prapancha. The cause of matter comes to the level of subtle matter comparable to that of a plant. And then the subtle universe then again evolves or again manifests to become a gross universe fully available for all forms of transaction. If we have to understand the difference between the subtle and the gross creation, we can compare our own body and mind. Mind is also creation or manifestation Body is also manifestation, but the mind is a subtle manifestation, not available for all. It is available to only myself, my mind. My mind is available only for me, hence it is subtle and it is not tangible. But the body is gross, therefore causal universe 
to subtle universe and then to the gross universe. This is the creation. Of these, the causal universe is beginningless, but the subtle and the gross have a beginning. Once it has fully become gross and moved about for some time, what happens to the whole creation? Again, it collapses, condenses or contracts. Evolution will later end up in involution or dissolution, which is called pralaya. The gross becomes subtle, the subtle becomes again, becomes gross. Then unmanifest to manifest and manifest to unmanifest, the universe has been there always. Universe will be there always. There is no increase or decrease in matter, but there is only a change in its condition or state. Manifest to unmanifest and unmanifest to manifest. Let us look at the process of creation. The causal universe is called Maya, which has to manifest into a subtle universe. The scriptures point out that out of the causal universe, five subtle elements are born first, and these are called Pancha Bhutani or the Pancha Bhuta. These are the Akash or the space, the Vayu or the air, Agni or the fire, Jala or water, and Bhumi or Prithvi, the earth. In the initial stages, they are all in the subtle form, the Sukshma Vastha, which means they are not available for our transaction. They are not even visible. The Sattva Guna component of the five elements are responsible for the generation of the five Gnanendriyas, the sense organs of knowledge. The fourfold mind or the inner organ of the mind, the Antakarana, which coordinates or controls the five sense organs is born out of the Sattvika component of these five elements together. The five sense organs of action, the Pancha Karmendriyani, are also generated out of the five subtle elements. The prana shakti or the pancha prana which helps to support all the pancha karmendriyani is also born out of the rajasic component of all the five elements. The entire sukshma sharira is born out of the sattva guna and the rajoguna of the five elements. Whereas the tamas component of the five elements get grossified to become the five cross elements, the pancha sthula bhuta. And this process is called panchi karana. Panchikarana is a process of mixing of the elements by process of grossification. The scriptures point out that until grossification, each element was isolated and pure. One element was not adulterated or mixed with the other. But when grossification takes place, the tamoguna of these five elements get intermixed. Once we come to the five grossified elements, each element has got a mixture of all the five. So the earth has got five elements, the space has got five elements, same way for air, fire and the water. So this is how the creation happens. Now let us come to the next and the very important subject of Tattva Bodha called Jiva Ishwara Aikya, the essential oneness between the micro and the macrocosm. And this is the main theme of the Vedantic teaching, the Jiva Atma Paramatma Aikya. The idea conveyed is that Atma, the Chaitanya, is only Eka. Aikya means oneness. Therefore, Atma, the Chaitanya, is only one, and that one Chaitanya alone is expressing through the matter principle. The scriptures point out that consciousness is Satya, and the matter is Mithya. Satya means independent or Swatantra, whereas matter is Mithya or Paratantra, which is opposite of Swatantra. The example we generally give is that of a clay and a pot. The clay exists independent of the pot, that even if the pot is broken, the clay can continue to exist. Whereas a pot cannot exist independent of the clay, and therefore clay is called Satya and the pot is called the Mithya. Hence Satya means independent and Mithya means dependent. So Atma is one and Anatma are many. Atma is Satya, Anatma is Mithya and this one Atma appears as Jivatma at an individual level 
and Paramatma at the total level. Therefore, the Vedantic teaching can be presented in three statements. The whole Vedantic teaching can be summarized as one, Paramatma Brahma is Satya, two, Anatma, the Jagata and the Sharira, either at a micro or a micro level, is Mithya, and third, Jiva Atma is identical, identical with Paramatma, there is Aikya between the two. And this is the Vedantic Sara, the essence of the Vedanta. Finally, what is this Gnana Phala, the Moksha, and what is the, is the benefit of this knowledge? The benefit of this knowledge in our life is presented in two forms in the Shastra. One is during our life, which is called Jivan Mukti, the benefit while that we are while we are leaving before our death, and the second benefit is the Videha Mukti, the benefit after the death. Let us talk what is Jivana Mukti. The three benefits of Jivana Mukti are to have complete independence, Swatantraya. The first and the most important benefit is independence. I'm emotionally, mentally, psychologically completely an independent person. Second is fullness, Purnatva, the sense of fulfillment in life. I know I am the Atma, I am not confined to this body, I am the Satchit Ananda Swarupa and therefore I am free from limitations. I have no sense of isolation, no sense of rejection, no sense of limitation and I cannot be rejected by anyone. I am the Atma, cannot be rejected by anyone. And the third is the Samatva. Samatva means the balance or equanimity of mind and this is the third benefit of this Gnana. This means I have the emotional strength to face all the ups and downs of life. Gnana becomes a very great shock absorber. Similarly, in life, I cannot control my future situation where many things are beyond my control. But by Gnana, even the worst troubles which affect me sometimes, but they never affect me permanently. The second benefit is Videha Mukti, the liberation from the body after death. To understand this, we have to know what happens to an ignorant person after death and then only we can understand what happens to a gnani after death in the case of a gnani the ignorant person after at the time of death what happens the physical body is dropped there is separation from the physical body from the subtle body sukshma and the sthula sarira that gets separated the very definition of death is the separation from the physical body that is why the physical body decays and merges with the panchabhuta or the five elements but even though the physical body perishes, the subtle body and the causal body continue to exist. This subtle and the causal body along with the Atma is also called the Jiva, all pervading everywhere, continue to survive even after the fall of the physical body. It acquires another body to continue its journey. And it may acquire the body here itself or it may acquire the body elsewhere. Therefore, an Agnani travels after death. In other words, his Sukshma Sharira and Karana Sharira travel and acquire another physical body and this is called Punarajanma or rebirth. The Sukshma Sharira and the Karana Sharira will again go through life and again die and again acquire another body. But death and birth is only at the level of the physical body and this journey continues for the Agnani. What is that for the Gnani? In the case of Gnani, it is said in the scriptures that at the time of death all the three bodies merge into the Samashti. The Sharira Traya will merge into the Prapancha Traya. The Stula Sharida merges with the Stula Prapancha. The Sukshma Sharida merges with the Sukshma Prapancha and the Karana Sharida with the Karana Prapancha. That means Gnani does not survive as an individual, but he survives as Samashti as a whole. And he is no more called Jivatma because only the body is there, you can call it Jivatma. 
when that the sharira traya is gone he is one with the paramatma so jivatma now becomes one with the paramatma losing the individuality just as a river loses its individuality when it merges into the ocean also there is no question of punarjanma there is no sukshma sharira surviving to acquire another sthula sharira therefore videh mukti is freedom from punarjanma or rebirth and why does gnana give the benefit of videh mukti the scriptures present this topic in a particular way and they say that gnana stops the punarjanma by destroying all our karmas this is the topic by itself we are not going into detail how gnana destroys all the karmas because there are three different types of karmas and all the karmas are destroyed destroyed by gnana uh, we 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 can understand this while we talk about the law of karma in shastra and in tatva bodha the benefit is presented as jivan mukti and videha mukti the knowledge is that i am not the reflected or limited distorted consciousness otherwise called ego but i am the original consciousness which is unlimited and undistorted consciousness with this we come to the end of the tatva bodha summary thank you for listening to this episode in the series transform your life by understanding of bhagavad gita this is your host sanjeev hope you have gained by the sharing for more detailed understanding please visit youtube channel s hari bhakti it's one word s h a r i b h a k t i where you will find multiple adhyaya videos arranged in respective playlists or you could join whatsapp learning group the bhagavad gita study group where we do a guided in-depth study of bhagavad gita over one year period do send me an email request on s haribhakti it's one word at the rate gmail.com so i can share a link for you to join this group thank you